the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Good afternoon. I am not Georgine Rice. I sure wish I were because I'd have a lot better voice and you'd have a lot better time. I'm Gary Brashears. I've known Georgine for a really long time, and I am sitting in the Georgine Rice chair here as guest host this afternoon. And it's just, it's almost scary to sit here. I'd like you to join me as we talk this afternoon. You just heard Dennis Rainey talking about protecting your family. And I want to think about how we respond to Halloween. It's just a few days away from that holiday. And there's all kinds of stuff about that. We'll play with that a little bit here on uh, 93.9 KPDQ. I'd love to have you join the talk if you'd like to. The number is 503-786-9390. We'll have some guests joining us. Think about Halloween. Um, boy, there's all kinds of stuff. Um, Halloween, I think back to when I was a kid on the farm in Missouri and we would go to friend's house and we'd go up and we'd dress up and people would know we're coming because we're on a farm country. There weren't that many houses around and guys, they'd know we're coming and they just load us down with good stuff. But you know what? Not a lot of candy. It was usually apples or oranges or healthy stuff. So I liked it when we moved back to Albuquerque and I was a seventh grader and we would go around to houses and we'd dress up. My, my my parents would never let me dress up something awful, and I didn't really want to either, but we'd go up and knock on doors and get candy. And I remember one time when I was coming up to a house, and I didn't have any idea who it was, just in our neighborhood there in Albuquerque, and I walked up to this house, and there was something out on the front lawn that I just didn't like. It was a, it was a decoration. It was just kind of ugly. So I, nobody's around looking at me and I just picked it up and I just threw it behind a bush. And the next thing I felt was a really strong arm grabbing my arm. And apparently this guy knew how to hurt because he grabbed right on the nerve on my upper arm. And I thought I was going to die there on that spot. Turned around and looked and I guess it was the guy to own the house. And he was upset that I had taken his decoration and thrown it behind the bush and he gave me a tongue lashing. Uh, oh my gosh, just scared me to death. And I decided right then and there, I'm probably going to be done with Halloween. It just, I mean, wasn't any demons, wasn't any ghosts, wasn't any goblins or anything like that, but just a homeowner who was upset with me. Oh my gosh. So it kind of ruined Halloween for me. But I'm curious, you know, what's your memories of Halloween? I, I think back to when my boys were small and living here in Portland and we would go trick-or-treating and they would dress up and we would go. Uh, and in the apartment building we lived in in Denver when I was in seminary, uh, we would go to houses, to apartments there in the place. And you just never know what you'd find because everybody knew who we were because we were the managing the apartments while we were there in seminary. And my boys would go up and they were they were small and they'd dress up and they would laugh and everybody knew who they were. But there was one couple that I really enjoyed the most. They were an older couple, at least for where I was then. And we'd knock on the door. They would open the door and they were in costumes and they would have all kinds of fun going back and forth between us and the boys. And it was just so fun to go up there. And they always had some good candy for the boys. And we just really, really enjoyed it. And I think back to those kinds of memories with my boys. And Halloween was a really good time. I... 
And so when I think about Halloween, uh, how do you respond to that? How do you how do you deal with that when, on one hand, it's a really fun children's holiday, but on the other side, there's a really dark side to Halloween, too. So a lot of people I know say, well, you shouldn't be involved in Halloween at all. How do you respond to this holiday? It's a very American holiday. Uh, trick or treat, do you do a... What do you do in your church? Do you do a trunk or treat? Uh, do you do a uh, do you do a Halloween festival? Do you do a harvest festival? Uh, what do you do when people come up to your door? Um, what Sherry and I like to do uh, is we want to have the very best candy available, and we want to make sure that anybody comes up to our door has a good time when they come up. So when the kids come up, there's often parents out on the street with them in our neighborhood. And uh, we want to make sure that they do really well. So we greet them and we have lots of candy and we talk to them and we interact with them. Uh, And it's just a fun time to interact. And every kid that comes to my door, before they leave, I give them an enthusiastic, God bless you. And just make sure that they know what kind of house we have and what kind of thing we do at Halloween. Uh, it's, It's just a very, very fun time for us. I'm curious when you think about Halloween, you know, what kind of memories does it connote to you? What kind of uh, thing does it draw up in your head? Do you have a good memories as a kid? Uh, do you have memories when you go to relatives' houses, or do you have good times when you have people come to your house? Uh, Halloween, it's a, it's a, it's a kids' festival. So much fun. Uh, my boys would come home when they were trick-or-treating as kids, and man, they'd have a bag of candy, and we'd have to actually ration it out, because if they ate all the candy, would come on short term there. They would be doing candy for the next 20 years, uh, but we rationed out and gave some of it away. Halloween, good time, dark time. I, when I think about what we do with that, I, and I I love the children's side of Halloween. I, it's a time to go visit friends. It's time for me to meet some of my neighbors in new ways. It's time to play and have fun. It's a time for candy. It's a time for uh, just silliness and cute costumes and cute little kids coming up. But there's also a little later in the evening, you know, the dark kids that come up and uh, not so fun. So what I want to do as we think about here over the next few minutes is I want to think about what do we do with Halloween? How do you interact with that? What kinds of things do you do? What kinds of habits do you do? Uh, I want to explore to the dark side of Halloween and think through that from a different perspective because uh, the demonic side of Halloween is real too, and I've got some stories around that. So when you think about Halloween, what is it for you? Do you have a favorite costume? And uh, we'll go for a break now. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hi, this is Gary Brashears. I am sitting in the Georgine Rice seat here at KPDQ Studios. Uh, it's just an awesome privilege to be here. K- uh, Georgine is on a missions trip. I understand she's uh, in Southeast Asia somewhere, uh, South Asia, uh, doing some work. I think she's in India. I'm not quite sure. But she asked if I would come in and sit in for her today. She's going to be out for a couple of weeks doing this mission trip. And I'm here this afternoon in this rain. Portland weather. Good stuff. We're going to talk about Halloween. We talked about a little bit. I talked about some of the memories I had from Halloween, the fun times with me and then with my boys as they grew up. Uh, If you want to join the conversation, you can call in at 503-786-9390. Love to talk to you. When you think about Halloween, we think of the children's side of Halloween, which I really enjoy. I'd love to have little kids come up to my door and give them candy and talk to them and talk about their costumes and hear their stories. It's so fun. Interact with the parents that are often there. Uh, Some of the teenagers that come up are a little crazier stuff. But there's another side to Halloween beside the children's side. I I was listening to the news yesterday, and I heard about a story from Bartow, Florida. Uh, 
two Satan-worshipping girls plan to kill their middle school classmates and drink their blood. And I mean, this is as creepy a story as you can get. They're openly worshipping Satan. They got a bunch of knives, put them in their bags, and they were in a bathroom there at Bartow Middle School. Uh, and kind of what blew the thing was that they got a their mom, one of the girls' moms, got a text message, auto text message, that her daughter wasn't in the uh, wasn't in class, and so she called the school and said, "Hey, this is weird because uh, like my my daughter should be in class." So this robocall uh, in, got things going. Uh, the middle school staff began to look around campus, and they found the two girls in the bathroom. Uh, they had a goblet, and they had something in it. wasn't quite sure. They took them down to the principal's office and got to looking, and sure enough, there was some weapons in there. I. Uh, in some wicked knives, uh, and they admitted they were planning to kill students as they came into the bathroom. They were thinking particularly that they wanted to find younger girls that they could overpower easily and kill them there in the bathroom. And then they were apparently planning to kill themselves at the end time, and they were text messaging and writing notes back and forth there in the bathroom. And uh, I listened to the story, and everything on my skin begins to crawl. What in the world? I mean, here's some kids. Now, are they serious Satan worshipers as middle school kids? You know, it's hard to know. They told the police they were Satan worshipers. They said they planned to, I mean, it's gory, gory stuff. They were going to drink the blood out of the goblet and eat the kid's flesh and body parts and then kill themselves all in a middle school bathroom in Bartow, Florida. And you think, oh my gosh, what is going on with this? Uh, That has got to be about as creepy as anything you'd ever want to hear. But it happened. This is not something that was, you know, some fantasy type thing. Uh, this is actually happening in a middle school in Bartow, Florida. Could it happen here in, in the greater Portland area, Vancouver, Quad County area here? And uh, it just really makes you wonder. Uh, the girls are arrested and charged with conspiracy to commit murder. And, you know, they're all the stuff. They're in real serious problems. Uh and some other parents were creeped out by this and didn't want their kids to come to school yesterday, so they kept them home. Uh, there's a dark side to Halloween as well. Uh, these kinds of stories run around, and I've heard them before, but this one just popped up yesterday on the news looking in toward Halloween. What do you do with this kind of stuff? Again, if you'd like to join the conversation, I'm here at the KPDQ studios, Gary Brashear is from Western Seminary, uh, 503-786-9390. You're welcome to call in if you want to. Uh, when I look at these kinds of stories, uh, it makes me remember that there really is a dark side to Halloween. Uh, Western Seminary, where I spent a lot of my time, have been there for a long time. Uh, when I look at houses in the neighborhood there on Mount Tabor, the thing that just really strikes me as strange is why in the world would nice people, good family values, nice homes there on Mount Tabor, put up things on their porch and in their front row yard that are so grisly. I just drove by one yesterday as I was coming back from lunch with a student, and here in the front uh, yard of a of a nice home there on Mount Tabor was a graveyard uh, set up with all kinds of grisly stuff, and the gravestones actually had names of people on them. And the thing that struck me is some of these were uh, had kind of a light tone to them. Uh, they were just people that obviously this person disagreed with, but to put their name on a gravestone? What in the world is that about? Uh, there's another home not far from the seminary that I drove by, and there on the front of the of the place is a, a body hanging, and I'm thinking, what in the world is going on with this? A body hanging on the front porch of a nice home? That is just creepy, like crazy. And I look at this, and I'm thinking, 
do we really want to do that? Uh, just crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. I don't know what to do with that. I don't know what to do with that. Uh, so I've got a call here on line one. Uh, Dwight Williams, I think is what this is. I'm going to put you here on. Bring in. Hey, Dwight. Hey. Welcome to KBKDU. Uh, thank you. This is James? Uh, this is Gary Bershears. Uh, oh. James is a producer. He's on the other side of the glass from me here. So I punched you, and you're on the air. Oh, well... I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Gary. I, I wanted to talk to James. Okay. Well, I will just, I'm not sure how to let James know that, but I will just, uh, I'll, oh, he he can hear me. Okay. I will put you over to James. So uh, I've got uh, David Thayton. David is one of my students. He's going to be joining me here uh, for the rest of this, this hour. And David is a, he's a very, very good guy. Welcome to the KPDQ talk show, David. Hey, Gary. Thanks so much. It's good to be with you. Yeah, so you're down from Salem, and just tell people just a little bit about who you are, and uh, then we'll talk for a little bit before we go to break. Yeah, yeah. Um, My name is David, and uh, I've been a pastor here down in Salem for the last five years, kind of grew up uh, in this area, and love calling Oregon home, Uh, married to Kelsey for also about five years, and... Uh, yeah, we love love the city and uh, and finishing up at Western. So I'll be done actually this December. It's really, Super. really crazy. Super. Yeah. Well, I've got another caller here. I'm going to have join us right now. So here Great. we go on line three. Welcome to KPDQ. I just cut David off. <laughs> okay. Hey, uh, my name is Rick. Uh, first time caller, and i just so happy to get in my car when I uh, had heard the conversation about Halloween. I'm a pastor. Um, uh-huh. Father's been a pastor here for 36 years in Portland. I've seen some of those cemeteries that you're talking about, yep. with it, and they just get worse and worse. But you know, like the number one show is uh, that zombie Walking Dead, whatever. People are just—it's the times that we live in. But my point for calling was um, there, was that we shouldn't be even celebrating Halloween, whether it be dressing up the little kids. All that stuff was to blind us when the Roman decided to turn, and I'm not bringing politics or religion into it, but to accommodate both sides, pagans and Christians, that's how a lot of our holidays have come from. Right. My father was not okay, but my mom kind of was just, Santa Claus is no big deal, Easter Bunny, no big deal. They put his foot down when it came to Halloween. Because there's nothing about this. It's a celebration of the dead. Right. We dress up our kids who, yeah, some of them are wearing, I guess, cute outfits. But most of them are very, very demonic outfits. And yep. what is the purpose? We, we have to think. It's kind of like that, what would Jesus do or what would Jesus exactly. think? He, he would be horrified. Um, I won't let my, my little one go trick-or-treating, and I explain to him why. You know, the, the whole just going out and getting candy, I'll just go to the store and get you candy. But <laughs> what we're doing is we're, we're, we're condoning yeah. and pretty much promoting. Now, I, I know you said you had a good time. Well, and, you know, and you, I'm not you're saying you're the other side that. of it, and that's exactly what I want to talk about as our show goes on here, because there is that dark side to it in the history of Halloween is awful. Uh, it's all dark, about. though, mm-hmm. see? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm not trying, I don't ever sugarcoat things, but there's there's nothing, nobody can ever uh, explain any type of goodness or, or stuff. They, they try to with Christmas, you know, supposedly Jesus, but of course, that's also just another story. And yep. 
just to make uh, gifts and money for business. I just cut you off. Uh, I'm still not sure how to do this kind of thing. So, caller, I just cut you off. I sure didn't mean to. I forgot to push the hold button here. So, uh, <laughs> you got an amateur on the desk here, and I don't know what I'm doing. So, I pushed the wrong button. I didn't mean to cut you off. So, uh, why don't we just uh, – there you are. You're back. I. Uh, why don't we head to break here? We're at that spot, and uh, we'll pick this up right after the break. This is Gary Bashirs at KBTQ 93.9. We'll head off to break now. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We are back, and this is not Georgine Rice. If you missed the Elidian, I'm Gary Brashears. I teach at Western Seminary. I've been a friend right. of Georgine's Sorry. for a really long time. And I'm here in that. studio yeah, because she is on a missions trip, and I think she's in India doing some work over there. She'll be gone for a while. So I get to sit in today, an amateur, and I've got two pastors on the line with me. David Thayton is a friend and student of mine and down in Salem, Oregon. And I've got another pastor who's called in, and we're talking about Halloween. And is this a good thing or is this a bad thing? Because we talked about the kids' side of it and the fun side early in the show, but there's also a dark side. And, uh, Pastor, you're talking a little bit about the dark side. Say a little bit more, and let's have a conversation in this segment of the show about that side of the show. Sure, absolutely. And 10 seconds of the Santa Claus, I just wanted to put out that my son, when he was little, shook my world when he asked me if God was friends with Santa Claus. (laughs) <laughs> and we we lie to our chi- <laughs> we lie to our children and tell them that he's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's gonna find out who's naughty or nice, uh-huh. and that he's watching you. So it's almost like they're praying and thinking of Santa Claus when he doesn't even exist. But right. that's a whole different story. As for Halloween, yeah. it, it's so morbid that I have never been able to find anything that promotes or leads a way into Jesus or into God's conversation when it comes to Halloween. Mm -hmm. It's a holiday Mm -hmm. uh, celebrating the dead. It is. Yeah, Mm -hmm. the background of that, and I think this is something you can look it up pretty easy. In the pagan calendar, there are actually eight eight pagan holidays, and it starts with Yule, uh, which is the winter solstice, and that's around the time of Christmas, and goes through uh, the cycles. And uh, the the end of the cycle is Samhain, uh, and that's what's celebrated uh, in Halloween. Uh, and in Samhain, that's a that's a celebration of the dark moon, and that is the high unholy day of the pagan calendar, and that's when uh, we celebrate Halloween. Uh, Gregory the seventh back in Roman Catholic days put All Saints Day on November first right in the middle of the Samhain holiday season, and that's All Saints Day, and it was a time to remember the saints of the church, which of course are uh, spirits of dead people that in Catholic theology are watching and helping us here. And so, Hallow- All Hallows Eve was a time to prepare for All Saints Day. But the crazy stuff, as you're talking about, is it was still very much a celebration of the time of the dead. It's a time when the veil between between the world of the living and the world of the dead is in, where spirits come back, and there's that mixture that comes in. And at one side, it's a it's a it's a very dark holiday. What, that's what you're talking about, isn't that right, Pastor? Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. And there's no mention of any type of celebration in the Bible, which is where we get our information. That's correct. And that's where we have to be careful when we join with the world with certain things. Yep and turn the other cheek so we don't offend them. Well, it's one thing, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, there's some places to do a good offense. Uh, that's where every kid that comes to my door gets a hearty and then truthfully, God bless you, and I want to invade uh, the darkness with uh, 
with God. I, do you do you entertain kids that come up to your door? Absolutely not. Oh, you never. I, okay. Can't can't. That's a part of condoning and promoting and and accepting the situation as it is. Uh-huh. The lights go off. They don't go, come up to the door. I'm not going to preach. Right. Open the door and preach to people. But I'm mm-hmm. also not going to accept and uh, contribute to something that. That, that while the children are doing that, their teenage brothers and sisters and parents are off doing wicked things. The older that they are, the more wicked, of course. And if we were to stop this and, and nip it in the bud, it wouldn't be entertaining to go watch Freddy Krueger uh, well, or scary yeah, movies. Yeah. To, to, you know, like I, I thought that was when I was a kid. Oh, well, let's get a scare. But the scare wasn't it. Yep. That's. Satan has so good at delusion. That's his masterpiece, his yep. delusion. Yep. So, of course, what happens at Halloween, when you talk about Freddy Krueger and Halloween movies and that sort of thing, and girls in middle school bathrooms getting ready to kill other girls, that's uh, that's not exactly a deception. That's an in-your-face kind of thing. David, what do you guys do right. at, at, at your church? Do you do you have a, a harvest festival, or what do you do down at your church? Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no worries. Yeah, we've got yeah, a three-year yeah. conversation uh, going on here. Yeah. If others want to call in and join the conversation, we're at 503-786-9390. We'll try to get you on. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, we've done um, kind of a number of different things, um, mostly um, Harvest Fest in the past and then Trunk or Treat um, also more recently. What is Trunk or Treat? I've never heard of that. Yes. 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 So it's basically almost like a... Uh, an appropriation or like a mini version of trick or treat. Um, people like decorate their trunks and have candy to give out. So it's still kind of in the fun spirit of Halloween. Um, but I think it also uh, has the idea that parents can come and bring their kids to somewhere that's for uh-huh. sure safe because sometimes parents have concerns about that too. Yeah. And that's actually was a really, really effective outreach for our church. And we met and developed mm-hmm. relationships with a lot of. Uh, a lot of different people. Uh-huh. So, Pastor, but there, what's there to celebrate? Yeah. But what's there to celebrate exactly? I, I think I heard you say um, something about um, some type of celebrating. Yeah, what well, do you celebrate, David? Yes, that's a great question. I think it's far more on the um, kids getting candy side of the thing. Um, so they decorate the cars and have fun. And, uh, it's not. It, it's kind of like the skin of uh, Halloween on the surface without some of the darker interior mm-hmm. stuff. Does that, does that make sense? You know, when we do it, just commercializing. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm going to go with yes. Yes. (laughs) Okay. But for the purposes of actually reaching people and and developing some relationships, I'd say that's the true purpose why we did it. We just got a couple more minutes here to break. So go ahead, Pastor. Oh, yeah. You can, you can do that. Three, the other 364 days of the year. Yeah. And we do. Yeah. We should, right? Yeah. So, you know, a piece that I do at this thing, though, is I want to take over these days. I don't want to give that day to Satan. I mm, really don't. Mm. And I want to invade. I think of Matthew 16. We are, uh, the gates of hell cannot stand against us. And I want to invade who, the gates of hell. Who rules the world, though? Who, who, who did God give the world to oh, rule? Oh, Satan is the prince of this world. That's right. That's why we're attacking mm-hmm. his kingdom of darkness. Right. So there's nothing to hand over to him. It, he, it, 
he oh, I'm taking it, it back. It. I'm not handing it over to him. I'm taking it back. I don't could. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's this is occupied territory. I want to invade his realm with the kingdom of light, and, and that's why we well, that's all going to happen in Revelation at the end of time. Well, and yeah, that's our goal now is to yeah the Revelation. Well, now, Revelation we, 1620. We're helping to crush the head of the serpent. I want to crush the head of that blasted mm-hmm. serpent. Right. So we have to. Uh, uh, Use wisdom to yep. educate people about Halloween mm-hmm. instead yep. of commercializing yep. it or uh, accepting it and and letting them know. I can't be a pastor and have uh, a kid come to the door asking for candy. I give it to them yep. and and then let them think that they can, that they walked away and it was that innocent, you know, no big deal type of thing. When I'm going to ask them what what why do you want candy? Oh, because you like sweets. Okay, other than that, why did you dress up? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Everyone else is doing it. And not acceptable. Yeah, yeah. that's where I, I very consciously do the God bless you type thing. Uh, we're going to have to break here it? for a break here in just a little bit. But uh, uh, just one more thing here, Pastor, before we go to break. Just throw in just your final thing. Your your reason for not doing Halloween is because it's just celebrating darkness. And it's it's uh, it's uh, letting Satan get his deception into our 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 good churches and homes. Is that correct? Yes. It's Hallow's Eve. Mm-hmm. And yep. if you, as you mentioned with the history of it, it was not ever promoted or, or brought up uh, to you know, Christmas might have been by throwing Jesus' birth in there right. with Santa Claus. Yep. But nothing yep. about how Hallow's Eve uh, extinguishes or, or speaks uh, on behalf of God, Jesus, the kingdom, yep. or Christianity of any kind. Yeah, that's right. Nothing, nothing biblical about it at all. There's nothing right. uh, to do with that. Uh, and we are... It is a, it is a celebration of death and darkness, as you said. I mean, mm-hmm. the this, the graveyards on front lawns, and just the celebration of the darkness of death and evil and brokenness. It's it's a that's it's why a we, seriously bad time, right? And that's why we just close our doors and that night mm-hmm. for a few hours, just let the world make havoc. And the Christians are supposed yeah. to stay away yeah. from things like that. Good. So thank you, and I'm glad I was talking to you and that I called in and. Um, it's just, you know, something that, uh, where you have to be a hundred percent, right? You can't be on one side or you can't, um, serve two masters. So, Good. you know. Well, thank oh, you Jesus so much can. for calling in, sir. We're going to head off to break here in just a bit and really appreciate All that. Right. Uh, and after well, break, you if guys. you want to call in, call 503-786-9390. This is Gary Brashear sitting in for Georgine Rice at 93.9 KPDQ. Uh, You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show. Obviously, I'm not Georgine. I'm Gary Brashear as I teach at Western Seminary. Georgine is off on a missions trip. I think she's in India doing some work over there, and we're excited for her to do that. You can pray for her safety as she works there. Uh, we are doing a live talk show here. If you want to call in, 503-786-9390 here on 93.9 KPDQ. We're talking about Halloween. Uh, I've got David Thayton. He's a pastor on the line here. And, uh, and in the studio here, I've got another pastor, Hans Rasmussen, and we're going to have a conversation that will continue. I, I've... Um. I, do you guys like? Do you guys read Babylon B? Oh yeah, yes. Oh, of Absolutely. course you have to. Well, they've got an infographic on how to have a godly Halloween, and uh, <laughs> so I look. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's pure. It's great. Babylon B listeners, if you don't know Babylon B, like it's too fun. So one of the things suggestion here is give chick tracks instead of candy. Uh, there's Ooh. no sweeter gift than salvation. They say, or wear a <laughs> Revelation costume. It'll scare. Everything out of get a biblical level PS, PTSD, <laughs> or, or just present as harvest season, and 
yay, leaves, you know, do the, <laughs> or when you do read a story in a spooky Harry Potter voice. And, uh, oh, yeah. Or you can, of course, eat only blessed candy, never eat six pounds of candy without first saying grace. Or if you really want to do good things, you can install a Tesla cross on your front your lawn and shock little brats away. <laughs> or you can, uh, this is Babylon B, de- decorate your yard with pro-Democrat signs, watch the neighborhood freak out. Now, I guess here in Portland, you have to do Republican signs yeah. to freak the kids out. Or you can do what many do, spend the next 24 hours watching VeggieTales in a locked basement. It'll all be over soon. (laughs) (laughs) They are good at satire. Yeah, it is just pure satire. David, now when you do your church, you said you're doing harvest vessels and trunk or treat. Tell us what you do to just reach out. And then Hans, I'm going to ask you the same question. Yeah, yeah. I think it's um, really mainly uh, about developing relationships and getting to know people. I really liked uh, what you said earlier about not allowing uh, the enemy to own this day, but actually right. to be proactive in um, doing something to kind of change the tone and demeanor of the day. And so, uh, yeah, it's it had been pretty successful. It's been pretty successful in the past on getting people together and meeting lots of new people. And a lot of t- a lot of times, um, people come back uh, the very next Sunday and, mm-hmm. and worship for the first time. How do you so. get Jesus into it? Because Halloween, as I said in the previous segment of the show, it's a worship of sowing. It's a really, really, really dark. It's a high unholy day of the pagan calendar. How do you get Jesus yeah. into it? Hmm. That's an amazing question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, my my thought and perspective is with a lot of people, at least the ones that we're um, reaching into, it's more of like a we're starting from a cultural baseline. So they're not necessarily like super into the um, spiritual dark reality. It's more a little bit the casual um, American version of mm-hmm. Halloween, which I do think is going away. I see a lot of people getting more and more into the spiritual reality. Yeah. Um, and I think we see that in movies. I think last year, 2017, was the highest grossing um, year for horror movies in general. Oh, man. Uh, and we're already on track in 2018 to beat that number. So really the fascination mm-hmm. is growing. But um, yeah, I think we're we're starting from a cultural baseline that's a little bit more neutral, yeah. at least with a lot of people that we're interacting with. And so um, it's really just bringing Jesus into the conversation yep. at all. Um, and doing and it so, actively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, from talking with people and just using that um, space as a starting point to develop conversations yep. about Jesus. You know, the space. fun thing, we work very, I'm at Grace Community Church out in Gresham, and we work very actively with a school near our building, have great relation with them. And the fun thing is, is the people at the school came and asked us at Grace if we would do a trunk or treat party at our building. Hmm. And I thought, you know, that's really interesting when the school wants us to do something that's wholesome and fun as an alternative to the dark stuff that happens on the street. We were in an area that's got some of the highest poverty level and uh, undocumented folk and such. So to offer a, a, a safe and wholesome alternative, we actually got asked by the school to do that. I thought that is really wow. interesting because, I mean, we know who we are. we got a great relationship. What do you do, Hans? We actually don't do much at all. What we encourage our people to do is uh, within their communities and their neighborhoods to get together. Um, community groups will get together. Um, my family will gather with a couple of different families. And we just do some some games in our own home uh-huh. and uh, give candy to the kids uh, from all the families. 
And then we're also available when, when people knock on the door to do exactly what you're doing, to just love them, uh, to say God bless them um, as they leave. And then that strikes up relationships with people because a lot of times people trick or treat in their own neighborhood. Yes. And so that develops that, that develops that relationship. So Mm -hmm. down the road, after they know that you're a family that's Christian, you can have those conversations. I always try to strike up a conversation with parents that are out on the street when the kids come up. And of course, I always want to play with the kids. And I, like our earlier caller did, it gets later in the evening and the teen kids come out Mm -hmm. and they can be pretty dark. My light goes off at that point. Yeah, Um, me too. I, maybe that's maybe they're the ones I should be giving chick tracks to. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or pre-blessed candy. I want to know. Or pre-blessed candy. There you yeah. go, David. Yeah. Good idea. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, when I think about how to do that. Again, we're Samhain, the which is the high unholy day of the pagan calendar. It's what's celebrated on this night. Uh, and what I want to do is invade the gates of hell uh, with the kingdom of light. And so that, and it's a question that I think people have to ask, do I want to back out of here because it is a dark place? Do I want to energize? Do I want to commercialize something as a celebration of death? And I see the, I see the reasons for that. I've got friends that want nothing to do with it. And our earlier caller uh, did mm-hmm. too, but I'm on the other side of things. I want to bring Jesus into that that place and do it actively and positively. And so we're not having anything at our church this year, it just because of some changes and such that are happening, we're just pretty overwhelmed. Our children's yeah. pastor is, is stepping out to join her husband in a, in a missions thing, so we don't have the staff to do it this year, so we had to back out of that. But in our home, uh, we've already bought the candy. We've got the best candy in the block, and uh, we're going to entertain the kids, and they're all going to get a positive conversation, and they're all going to get some really good candy, and they're all going to get a God bless you as they leave. I've never had anybody take offense at that, ever. Also, also as a parent, I, I found that it's a really great opportunity to train my children. Oh, um, really? How do you do that? Huh? Well, because I've got kids um, eight years old and younger, and so uh-huh. when they help me hand out candy, and some of those teenagers who are in the, the <laughs> yes. blood and guts uniforms come to the yeah. door— they ask me questions. And so we can start to have that discussion about what it is to be a missionary in the midst of a different culture. What a good idea. And so wow, that, that's been really fun. So you, you yeah. still help them understand the dark side of it, but you help them yeah. understand the missionary side yeah. of it as well. And there is an educational wow. piece that I do uh, for sure in our church is to help them see the dark side of Halloween because there is a gory and awful side to it as well. Mm-hmm. But I like your idea of training yeah. your kids. Uh, we just got a minute here before we have to go to break. Do you do you have conversation with the dark kids that come up to your door? Do you try to ask them? Sometimes, yeah. I've asked uh, a couple of them, "What's your what's your costume, and why uh-huh. is it important to you?" Yeah. And sometimes mm-hmm. they're they're goofy and they move on, and sometimes they tell me, and and I can have a quick five second second conversation with yeah, them. Yeah, that's what I try. I ask them about their costume and, and like mm-hmm. you know, and I I do it with a smile. Mm-hmm. I don't do it as a confrontive thing. And I've had some very interesting conversations because kids want to talk about their stuff, and I'll ask them, "Well, why death?" Yeah. You know, and and it's just interesting mm-hmm. kind of stuff. David, we've got about 30 seconds left for a break. What do you want to say here? <laughs> I think, man, if there's a, a way for us to thoughtfully participate in this, I think we've covered some different ways to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as we acknowledge that the spiritual re- battle is real, yeah. I think it puts us in a really yes. good place to think, how can we actively take ground for the kingdom of God? Mm-hmm. There is absolutely a spiritual battle. Romans sixteen twenty is one of my theme verses. We join mm-hmm. with Christ in crushing the head of the serpent, and I want to do it at every opportunity I do. I want to do it very honestly with Jesus Christ and very positively and call people to a better, more wholesome kind of way. Mm-hmm. And I think it's absolutely. a great way to do things. Mm-hmm. I want to invade.
invade <laughs> the gates of hell uh, with yeah. the kingdom of light and the forgiveness that comes in Jesus Christ. I, it's a good way to go. Yeah. We're going to take a break here in just a minute. And uh, we're, after we come back, if you want to join in, we'll be talking about what do you do with church abuse? What do you do when people are members in your church are abused? What do you do if the abuse happens in a church? And how do you respond to that kind of stuff? Get Hans Rasmussen here in studio. If you want to join that conversation, 503-786-9390. We'll go to break now and be back in a few minutes. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Well, I am not Georgine Rice. I'm Gary Brashears. I teach theology at Western Seminary. Georgine's a longtime friend, and she's on a missions trip. I think she's in India and just doing some really good work for Jesus over there, and I'm really excited to hear the reports when she gets back and what she can say there. Uh, so I'm in studio here with Hans Rasmussen, and David Thayton is also here by telephone. And if you want to join the conversation, it's 503-786-9390. We want to use this hour to talk about what happens when you discover abuse in the church, because that's one of those things that the three of us in here are all pastors at one level or another. And Hans, tell them who you are. Yeah, my name is Hans Rasmussen. I'm from uh, Salem about seven years ago. Uh, my wife and I planted a church down there, and uh, my wife and I have been married for uh, coming up on uh, 16 years, or 17 years. And, <laughs> get it straight. Uh, yeah, i got to get, get it straight. straight. She's probably listening. <laughs> uh, we've got three wonderful kids, and our, our church is growing and booming, and I'm also a student at Western, just finished up most of my MDiv classes, and I'm finishing up my Master of Arts in Counseling as well, so have a little bit of uh, experience in some of what we're talking about today. So you're doing internship and that sort of thing, along with pastoring it. That's correct. Yeah. David, tell them who you are. Yeah. Um, my name is David Dayton, and uh, I also am down from Salem. Hans is a good buddy. Yeah, Salem. And, yeah, uh, yeah. and uh, I've been a pastor uh, down here at a church for the last five years. actually just recently moved off staff, and I'm kind of waiting for the next assignment. Uh, I've been married to Kels for uh, five years. So you got like more than triple on the Hans. That's amazing. <laughs> well done. I got a lot more. Sharon, I just celebrated 50. So you kids. Oh my goodness. <laughs> we got a long way to go, David. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You got me at a power. You got t- 10 times the experience. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, Hans, talk a little bit. I mean, you're, you're kind of the pro here and I've got a lot of experience with this. And David's got a little new experience because you're mm-hmm. with the student side of things more so, but moving into full pastoral. Yeah. What do you do when somebody reveals that they are currently in an abuse situation or bring abuse in? What, what's your first steps as a pastor? Well, I don't know that you can ever say that you're a pro uh, with abuse. That's true. Um, I, I stand corrected. Yeah, really. it's a it's a tough one. I think it definitely has to do with the context and the situation. The first thing I always try to do is I just try to listen. I try to listen to the story. I try to listen to the situation. Um, but one of the most important things is figuring out safety concerns. And so, okay, if, safety. So yeah. what tells a little bit more about what that? Well, means. if someone calls me or I find out that they're in an abusive relationship, the first question I, I ask is, "What's the situation as far as safety? Um, are they in a position where they could get out of the house if they need to? Do they have a safety plan? Um, do they have people they can go to? Uh, if it's someone that's reporting that maybe their child is being abused by a step parent or something, um, the first question is, "Is what's the what's the uh, connection they have? Are they with them now? Um, and we just deal with that safety so that we can get that removed so we can start talking about a long-term game plan um, and how we're going to help them through all the various trauma that comes with it. And, yep. and everything else. Safety, number one important kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, as a pastors, of course, we're mandated report 
reporters, mm-hmm. we have to bring mm-hmm. Children's Protective Services into the process if there's abuse currently going on with a minor or uh, um, like a senior citizen, who a helpless person. Mm-hmm. But now our thing, because uh, our listeners here are mostly not pastors, yeah. uh, how do you involve them in the process? Well, I try to figure out where they're at, what they're feeling, uh, if they're feeling the need to be removed from a situation. Okay. Um, but then I also try to help them kind of calm down. I think when we deal oh, with when we deal with abuse, a lot of times people are um, they think of worst case scenarios, yep. and so a lot of what I'll talk with people and walk them through is what is it actually going on? Um, is there the potential for it to happen again? What's happened in the past? And then I walk them through the the steps of reporting to uh, DHS, um, uh, the the um, ways that they can start to get some help through it, um, counseling op- opportunities. Let's let's leave the children thing out of right now. Let's yeah. say that that you don't have minors involved. So mm-hmm. you still report to DHS? Uh, it depends on the situation. Okay. Um, for example, if it's a person who comes to me and confesses that they've done something, uh, but there is an adult, I'll definitely walk them through uh, self-reporting. Um, okay. Because I think that that actually is very necessary for a person who's committed abuse. If they want to turn from it and walk away from it and and start to heal themselves, the abuser, um, we walk them through reporting to DHS. I think that's one of the the things that's really interesting from a pastoral standpoint is that I am absolutely there to support the victim and help the victim. But I also don't want to cast out the the abuser. I want to see if I can help them get the help they need in order to get better. That's uh, that's for me is a real priority. If somebody says that they've committed abuse, I want to make sure they get the best help possible. Absolutely. And there's a lot of resources available for people who have committed abuse as well as abuse committed against them. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. So you got safety. That's number one. Yep. What's going on? What else kinds of things do you do? Well, then I try to figure out what their support system is. Okay. Um, do they have immediate family? Can they trust that immediate family? Uh, hopefully, if they're part of the church that we're at, um, we'll talk about community group and the community group leaders and what level of information um, we want to reveal to those other people, um, how much confidentiality they want to have around it. Um, as, as a pastor and as a counselor, we want to keep confidentiality to the highest degree. Okay. And so, uh, we'll let them decide if they want additional support. Um, and that's usually very helpful for people to have that additional kind of shock absorber to go through that process because it's very traumatic to Mm -hmm. finally wrestle with something that's probably been in the dark for a while. Yeah, that breaking the secret, that's probably the hardest thing there is in abuse situations, I find, is because so often the victim takes fault for what's happening. Absolutely. And when they finally get to that spot where they reveal, it's, they're just terrified that they're going to blow everything up and it's all going to be their fault. How do you deal with How do you help? Because we want to, there's probably some people who are listening right now who are in places. In just a couple of minutes here, uh, what, what would you suggest to somebody who's currently in a situation? Where they're being abused? Yeah. Uh, I think one of the first things that I always try and help correct, it's actually a theological point, is okay. I try and help them understand what, what biblical forgiveness is. Um, well, we're going to have to do that again after break. There's yeah. a big one there. Okay, let's just take that as a step right now. We'll come back to that. Yeah. And then I try and help them to realize that they don't they don't deserve to be in that position. I think a lot of times when people have been abused, they've been groomed to be abused. And so helping them understand that no human being that's made in the image of God deserves to be abused and that, okay. that it's right for them to step out of it that's and good. to speak their mind. That's good. Because so often they it's my fault type stuff. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. What else do you do? Uh, I just basically weep with those who weep. Okay. That compassion piece. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do people get in trouble for reporting to you if they're abuse victims? Uh, I think that sometimes we have to be really careful about that because if the abuser is one who might act out, um, that's part of what I think through. 
um, a couple of situations that I've had to deal with, I'll have the spouse go and confront the abuser, but I'll, I'll have them do it with assistance. In some other cases, um, myself and maybe some of our leaders will go and approach the abuser. So we're back to the safety thing mm-hmm. again. Yeah, we always got to consider yeah, that. That's just so, so, so important is we want to be very, very sure that people who are being hurt, that we help them find safety in what's going on and those kinds of things. We're going to have to take a break here and got to pay for the station here. So this is Gary Beshears. I'm sitting for Georgine Rice here at 93.9 KPDQ with Hans Rasmussen. We'll be back in a few minutes. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. Is aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Good afternoon on this wet Portland afternoon. Uh, this is not Georgine Rice, obviously. She's on a missions trip in India, I think. Uh, this is Gary Bershears. I teach at Western Seminary, and Georgine's a longtime friend, and she asked me to sit in her chair, which is, oh my gosh, talk about a scary thing to do. Uh, we're So we're here in studio, and we're here with Hans Rasmussen, and David Thayton is on the line, as both pastors. And if you want to join the conversation, you can call in at 503-786-9390 here at 93.9 KPDQ. Hans, you mentioned forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's hard stuff. Absolutely. If you've been abused and you're forgiven, like guide us a little bit on that. Well, I think in our culture, especially in the, the church subculture, we have a tendency to say forgive and forget. Mm-hmm. And so when someone who's been really badly abused is told that, they start to have a weight that they carry, uh, that it, it, they're actually the bad person, so to speak, yep. because they have to forgive. And it's really hard to forgive someone who's abused you. Especially if you've got to forgive and forget. Absolutely. Because you can't forget. Uh, right. Our brain is built in such a way that we hold on to those traumatic traumatic memories. Mm-hmm. And so really there's two types of forgiveness. There's the psychological forgiveness, which is being able to move on. And then there's biblical forgiveness, which is uh, dealing with the with the sin. Uh, how is it dealt with? What kind of restitution is there? And so helping people understand that biblical forgiveness is not necessary unless the person repents. And in the case where um, someone who's an abuser comes and repents and walks through, there can be huge healing there. But in many cases, if the abuse is too bad, there may never be reconciliation. That's correct. Yeah. And so helping that, that, that abuse victim understand that they can let the abuser be the one that bears that burden. And while they can move on with their life, uh, they don't need to forgive in the biblical sense. And they can hand it over to the Lord so that the Lord can deal with that person. Yeah. David, what do you think when you hear that? Yeah, I, I want to ask a question. Maybe if we could draw sure. like a, a distinction between um, forgiveness as like the release of um, the debt or um, and like a restoration, or mm-hmm. you kind of use the language of reconciliation or restored trust or relationship, kind of what we think of like everything uh, back to the way it was. I don't think that's the goal at all. Well, it's the goal. Uh, it just yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. The two steps there that you know we're all talking about here. Forgiveness is at, at, in the in the biblical sense of forgive. It just means let go. So the disciples, when Jesus comes along and says, "Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men," they forgive their nets. Mm-hmm. They leave them behind. Uh, and there's a sense in which when somebody gives me pain, forgiveness means I give up my right to give that pain back to them. Absolutely. And under justice, I have that right. Forgiveness means that I don't exercise that right, which means I get to keep the pain and absorb it, which is hard to do. But the restoration, I, th- I think you said it really well. It depends on the repentance that other person does, the abuser, the one who hurt me. Do they really take responsibility for what they did? And But we as believers in Jesus Christ are, tr- to the extent we can, initiating that restoration process. How do you do that? You got any great secret, Hans? Initiating the restoration yeah. process? Well, I think the, the abuser obviously has to be willing. 
Right. Um, but for the person who's been abused, I think part of it is walking through the reality, seeing the reality of the abuse. Uh, the abuse victims I've worked with, which again, isn't a, a massive amount. I'm definitely mm-hmm. not a pro, but uh, the number that I've worked with in almost every case, in order for their mind to make sense of the abuse that was so horrific, they have to put kind of the onus on someone. And so they end up putting it on themselves as yeah. something wrong with themselves. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't nice enough, so he hit me. Or I, I didn't do it right, so that yeah. yeah. So it's my fault. And of course, we're kind of wired to do it that way. It's Absolutely, it's how your brain makes sense of it. And so helping them walk through the reality and, and in a sense, seeing a spade for being a spade, and helping them understand that this was not deserved, mm-hmm. and this was not anything that anybody, anyone deserves. You're not a special case of being worthless or invaluable or, or valueless. And so um, helping them understand that, then they can start to release that debt as you're talking about yeah. and as David's talking about, which is a very important thing because you want them to be able to move on. The piece I'm hearing you saying, just let me see if I'm hearing you right. You're saying that if somebody has been hurt, they need to name what happened and then sort out who's responsible for what. Because they may be partially responsible in some cases. Other cases are not responsible at all. But trying to sort out really what happened, get the fact down in a safe environment, of course. Absolutely. Uh, to say what did happen uh, and then try to sort out where the responsibilities are. Is that, is that what you're saying? Absolutely. One of the things that I've found, and this is not empirical by any stretch, mm-hmm. um, but just anecdotally, one of the things I've found is a person who uh, very quickly lets the word abuse roll off their tongue uh, as an accusation very rarely are those cases actually abuse. I really? Mean, and people, people who will say a pastor is abusive or another person is abusive, and they do it, no problem. I, I have not found those situations to be full-fledged abuse by the definition of the term. Usually with people who've been abused, it, it takes time because they're so ashamed of the abuse, of right. being abused and being, in a sense, valueless, that it takes a while for them to be able to call it abuse or rape or molestation. That is a Great insight, Hans. I, as you say that, that rings really, really true. Mm-hmm. Uh, the person who's angry, I've been abused and something like that. I, you know, I think back, actually, I think that's really true. What do you think, David, to get you in here too? Oh, oh, absolutely. I, I've experienced that uh, on multiple occasions. Hans, I'm, I'm curious, could you give like a, a more uh, succinct and clear definition of, of abuse, like to help kind of parse out? Um, those those different situations. Yeah, I mean, I, I won't give you the best academic definition, um, but the, <laughs> yeah. the definition that I use when I'm talking with people is that someone who is in a position of power uses that power dynamic to get something from the other person where the relationship is not reciprocal. And the end result is that the person who they're getting it from feels ashamed because of whatever's occurred. And that usually kind of is an umbrella um, mm-hmm. definition or description that helps people understand, oh, okay, I've, I've actually been abused. And that can be a husband to a wife. That can be a pastor to a congregant. It can be a teacher to a student, you, you name it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the power yeah. thing and what you're talking about there, abuse isn't just something stupid that you do. As you're using abuse is something where somebody is using their power in order to extract something from somebody else in a stealing or hurtful or painful kind of way for the pleasure of the person who's doing the abuse. Is that Absolutely. Okay. I'm just trying to start. This is a teacher side. Let me make sure I heard you right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you nailed it. So when people have been abused, what kinds of things can we do? do as pastors or friends to help them break the secret? Well, I think the first thing to do is, uh, it's a lot of background stuff. The first thing is, is are we talking about it in the church? I think often okay. the church um, doesn't talk about abuse. 
enough. Um, we don't make it apparent to people. Uh, a lot of times hierarchicalism can be a part of a church and, um, well, it's, just something that is. Abuse is just a normal part of life, authoritarianism, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so being able to define for our congregants what is abuse and what isn't, what's proper power dynamics used for uh, security and care, right? And as a father, I have a power dynamic in a sense with my children to protect them. Right. Uh, but if I misuse that, then it becomes abuse. And so the first thing is just defining it for people. Okay. And you're doing this in teaching in a church situation or a family situation you're talking Absolutely. About. There's so many stories in the Bible that uh-huh. you can use That's to true. discuss uh, this topic. And you're doing a Dave Bathsheba thing here soon. Boy, talk about abuse. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. What other kinds of things are helpful? I think the structure of a church is also really helpful. Um, if a church um, is built up in a way where people are called into community and called into relationship, it's really hard for abusive, let's say marriages, for example, or child abuse to sit out in the open um, without getting exposed uh, when you have people around them. And so I think a lot of times abusers want to hide. And sometimes the way they hide is they go to a church and pretend that they're a very moral person while abusing their family at home. And so having that relationship where people are known uh, really starts to call out some of that abuse. Mm -hmm. And it helps people understand, wait a minute, I'm hanging out with people and they don't operate in the same way. And so maybe a wife who's been abused but doesn't know it, when she sees other families operating in a functional way, she might start to say, oh, this isn't good. Yeah, my family is real different. That's a good point. So just modeling really good, healthy families is an excellent way to help people see when it's not right. Absolutely. Yeah. We just got a minute or so. David, what do you want to throw in before we head off to break here? Yeah, all this this conversation is making me think of, um, I think it's Philippians 2, where it talks about how Jesus used his authority. He didn't count equality with God, something mm-hmm. he grasped, but he made himself nothing, made himself a servant, um, seeking our interests, even over his. and. Um, as a counter to abuse, man, what a powerful message. If we can really grab a hold of it, um, I wonder how that could change our cultures. How That's a good idea. How leaders use their power, first recognizing they have power, but then how do we right. use that power? Do we use it to mm-hmm. get privilege and such for ourselves? Do we use it to dominate other people? Do we use it to direct other people? Do we use it to serve other people and help other people? Those kinds of, by modeling power well, that's a helpful kind of thing too. Amen. Yeah, the, that whole context where people are seeing healthy church dynamics, healthy power dynamics, leadership dynamics, family dynamics, that's a great context. Boy, well, this is uh, the Georgine Rice Show, KBDQ 93.9. I'm Gary Brashear sitting in for her. She's on a missions trip in India. We're going to head off to break here, and then we'll come back and talk further. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. Is aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Chair here in the KPDQ studios, and I mean, it's an amazing responsibility, I, but we're having a lot of fun with it. If you want to join the show, we're going to talk about abuse and what happens. How do you recognize if you're being abused? Or what do you do if you have a friend who's being abused? If you want to join in, you can call in at 503-786-9390. Uh, Hans, talk to us a little bit because you're a pastor and a counselor in training. What do you do if you think you may be being abused? What do you in uh, um, you know, kind of all kinds of different things? Or if you have a friend who may be abused, what would be some steps to follow? Well, I think the first thing is to actually ask the question, do I have someone to reach out to? Isolation often is one of the reasons or one of the symptoms uh, that we can see in abuse um, situations or relationships. And so if I'm isolated, that's a pretty good, pretty good question to ask of maybe I need to start reaching out. There's many different um, avenues that you can reach out to just within the community, different hotlines you can call. Um, but you can also, if you're a member of a church, reach out to someone in your church. Who would you reach out to in a church? I mean, how do you talk? Because 
You know, if you're an abuse victim, you're, you, like you're talking about earlier, you've got this shame and you're not supposed to talk about it. That kind of, who, who would you reach out to? Absolutely. Well, you have to be wise about it. Um, uh, if you are being abused, let's say by your spouse, uh, it might be a good idea to, to see if there's any counselors in your church. Um, mm-hmm. They'll be well-versed in how to deal with abuse. And then talk to maybe one of the, the pastors on staff. Unfortunately, a lot of pastors don't have um, a ton of experience with abuse. And so you could at least just go to them and say, I'd really like you to keep this confidential. I really need some help. Is there, are there any um, ways that you could assist me in, in this abusive relationship? Yeah, sometimes the best pastor is not somebody who's a paid pastor. It's somebody who's really caring, uh, say, a, um, maybe a home group leader or something has got some compassion in you, somebody you can trust, but you always do. David, you got us some ideas on this? Yeah, yeah. I think um, we're really honing in on, on the key witches. Um, support and uh, finding out who who the best person is, best relationship. I'm I'm right on board. Another great option is if you have law enforcement in your church uh, and they're a person that you can trust, they would be a great person to go to. We also have, because we're down in Salem, we have people that work for DHS and all those people know confidentiality really well yeah. and they're people that you can reach out to. Now, if I report to a police officer, aren't they going to arrest me and take me off to the Hooskow or something? Well, most of those police officers are very wise. Yes. And so they're... <laughs> Obviously, that's not the case. Yeah. But it, that's a perspective we have. Somebody can get arrested if I talk about stuff. Yeah, absolutely. The police and the, the federal agencies and state agencies, they have a lot to work with and they've been through this a lot. And so you want people that are experienced in it. A counselor of pastoral health. If you want to join the conversation, 503-786-9390. I talk a little bit more about what you might do if you have a friend who you think might be in a place where they're being abused, say at home or at a workplace or something like that. Absolutely. A lot of times when it's spousal abuse, getting them out of the situation can actually make things a lot worse, not only for them, but also for anyone who's helping Wait, wait, wait. Getting them out is worse? Yeah, because the abuser, they have such tight control on their um, environment that they will feel like they're out of control and that will sometimes spiral them. And so the best thing to help them do is kind of behind the scenes, help them to, to build what's called a safety plan. And that safety plan has things like, how's the, the fastest way I can get out of the house? Where can I go? How can I contact the police? It's also uh, dealing with things like putting together a, um, a really quick kit of clothing and hygiene products and whatever they might need to get out of the house quickly and safely. Uh, potentially figuring out if there's a cell phone that they can use that won't be okay. used by the abuser. All those things are really helpful. Good. I've got Jonah online here. I'm going to bring you into the conversation here. Good evening, Jonah. Good evening. Um, are you Davis or Jonah? I'm not sure how this thing works here. Uh, it is Jonah Davis. Okay, there you go. Welcome to KPDQ. Hi. Thank you so. Appreciate you all tackling such a tough subject. Yep. And uh, a lot of churches are still in the process of being trained on how to handle it. That's true. That is. True. I fortunately belong to a church in Beaverton, and they've received training through a national organizations. And there are organizations such as uh, Arms, yes. Abuse Recovery Ministries and yes. Services. Absolutely. Say that one more or time. I'm counsel- a huge supporter of ARMS. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, ARMS, Abuse Recovery Ministry and Services, yep. based out of Hillsboro, but they service uh, people all throughout the metro area. That's correct. And yep. there are um, some counseling agencies that are also able to help, but I think we all need to be very aware of just how uh, vast and the numerous types of abuse mm-hmm. That are out there, and so a lot of the wonderful programs that are aired now on KPDQ are starting to encourage women who are in 
serious uh, problems not to um, just, you know, listen to their program and try to take that advice, but to actually call in, such as uh, Family Life Today, or focus on the family, Uh and get more specific to their situation, because each situation is so very different. And we want to be careful to encourage people to get the help that they need and not do anything to cause further shame. Absolutely. So wise. You know, you've given one suggestion is a good idea. You can call Focus on the Family. They're not local, but they can give you references to things that are local here. But ARMS is really good. You can go to their website. There are, there are ARMS groups that meet all over the Quad County area and other parts of the Northwest as well. And it's a really highly quality. It's it's free to the user and the people that lead those are very well trained. And what I love about that group is that they not only help the victim, they also want to assist the, the yes, abuser. They, it's often yeah. it's women who are abused, but their group for men who are abusers fantastic. is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I know some men have been through that. It's life-changing. Yeah. And you don't have to be afraid to go to jail. I mean, if, if you're guilty, you know, stuff right. will happen. But in many cases, the last thing people want to do is put abusers in jail. They want to help them, unless, you know, they're hurting kids or something like that. But even then, there are a lot of options. So just breaking the Oh, definitely. Yeah, often there's a lot of grace for those who are hurting. Mm -hmm. And we all know hurt people hurt others. So thank you for tackling such a subject. And definitely, if you could add to your uh, website some of those ministries you mentioned. Yep. That would be awesome. Thank you so much, I work with women who really need the help, so thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Bye-bye. We've got a couple of minutes here before break. Uh, Say a little bit more about, uh, again, I want to steer back to this. What do you do if you have a friend you think may be in an abuse situation? For safety, of course, Mm -hmm. but how do you get them to break the secret? Can I ask them if they're being abused? Well, honestly, I think that a lot of times they're not going to know the answer. Um, unfortunately, abuse situations, they're so under the cover of the abuser that they don't even know that they're being abused. And so, again, that's where the background work uh-huh. of having relationships and, a, and even a church structure that might support them, those are the things that are going to bring out the abuse. And then it can be confronted and it can be done in a very gracious and compassionate way. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first step is to ask the victim, do you need to be removed from the situation That's for right. your safety? Yeah. David, you work more as students. What would you do with students you think might be in an abusive situation? Yeah, um, a couple uh, really helpful things. I, I, my work is more with young adults. Um, but a couple things that I think are really helpful are um, asking some of their like trusted um, friends, just to get a little bit wider perspective. Um, and then also I'm a fan of um, asking directly and then just asking a lot of questions about um, what is going on um, and just trying to create a safe environment. I think Hans, uh, and you had a really good point that a lot of times people don't even really know um, whether abuse is happening mm-hmm. or not. Um, so just asking a lot of questions and um, creating a safe environment where and people are free free to share. Yeah. That's a place where uh, their caller is saying put on the website information. But what we do at our churches, we have easily available on the website and other places is who to go to mm-hmm. for these kind of things. So if you want a short-term mission trip, go to Bob. If you're in a space where you need help, celebrate recovery or Jerry Smith and things like that where people have what their next steps can be real helpful too. 
just so I'm not trying to guess about some of those kind of things. Uh, and just talking about abuse and opening up the secret from the front, it's a really good thing to do. We're going to head off to a break here, and then we'll come to our last segment of the show. If, uh, I'm Gary Brashears from Western Seminary at 93.9 KPDQ, sitting in for Georgine Rice. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Well, I am Gary Brashears from Western Seminary, sitting in the Georgine Rice chair here. I mean, oh my gosh, it's like sitting in a holy place place here. <laughs> Georgina, I've been friends for a long time. She's on a mission trip. I think she's in India right now. And in this segment of the show, we want to talk a little bit here about what happens if you're in a church and the abuse is actually coming from the church itself. I mean, that's a, oh, I've been around a number of situations like this. Sometimes it's just egregious and vile and evil. Sometimes it's it's kind of under the table, unclear what's happening. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, 503-786-9390. Hans, talk to me. I think the first thing that I would recommend is I think that people who go to church need to look at the structure of their church. Is it a structure that might lead to abuse? Are there people... What does that mean? Well, I think a lot of times the structure of churches, we don't think about it that much. We think about maybe the the worship or the teaching or the programs. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, is if there's leadership that isn't held accountable by the congregation uh, and and there isn't a reciprocal relationship between the leaders uh, humbly serving the congregants and the congregants, in a sense, holding the leadership accountable— then it's it's ripe for abuse. It's a it's an environment that could lead to abuse. And so thinking about that yeah. when you're choosing a church is really important. One of the things I find is who can say no to the top leadership. And if realistically there's nobody who can say no to the top leadership, again, it's rife for abuse. Absolutely. David, what do you think here? Yeah, I think, uh, man, another really key component is just listening to conversations. I've, I've discovered... Um, situations that like bled out first in jokes or in little stories that were like um, seemed funny and people kind of just tend to write them off. But oftentimes uh, following those, those trails, um, man, there's some um, cries for help, you know, that are in some of those situations where there's smoke, there's Um, fire, where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah. 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 And I, I think, um, when you can kind of tell a little bit about the culture of a, a church or a family, um, you know, in the context of community, do we press into those and do we um, care about each other actively? Or is it more kind of a status quo where we just allow things to be normal? You know, we kind of all have a tendency to want things to be yeah. uh, normal or average. I believe the best. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it takes a little bit more to press into relationship and, um, so you can kind of tell a lot about uh, church culture by by that. And I think we, sh- as people in a church culture, should be, um, you know, actively caring for each other, yep. actively looking mm-hmm. out for each other. Yeah, are you encouraged to do that? So uh, leadership structures, what else? Hon? So once, the, if there's verified abuse, if someone comes to anyone in the church and says, hey, I'm being abused, the church should deal with it immediately. They should um, want to hear the story. They should want to investigate. And what I find is that people who've truly been victimized, um, if they're protected, they want their story to be heard. They want to, people to know. Um, they may not want to shout it from the rooftops, but mm-hmm. they're, they're thankful that it's been opened up. If you're in a church where you can't really trust anyone because it does seem like um, maybe that leader is protected, then think about going to the denominational leaders um, if you're part of a denomination. If you're not, if you're an independent church, then a great thing to do is to reach out to maybe a friend who's at another church that you trust and see if they're willing to maybe go and talk with their pastor. And, And the three of you can get together and that pastor might be able to then go and intervene 
Um, I know that that's happened with me before, and I yeah. welcome the chance to bring reconciliation to the body of Christ if there's if there's some division. Yeah, I've done that from my position at the seminary because I've been around a long time, and I've had people come to me and tell me what's happening in their church, and I've, several times I've made them be a real help. And this abuse can come in a sexual area. Mm-hmm. It can come in a, in a financial area. Yeah. Amazing how much abuse happens in the well, you need to give to because you're giving to Jesus type stuff. What are some other areas of abuse beside those two really obvious? Well, I think just a lot of times um, there's a great book called Let Us Pray. It's a P-R-E-Y. P-R-E-Y yeah. Uh-huh. And it, it basically discusses how oftentimes pastors um, are narcissists and don't even know it. It's, yeah. a, it's a position that draws narcissism. And so a lot of times that power and abuse can come from just a position of holding a certain role in someone's life and being able to tell them what to do. And so uh, it can seem very normal because the pastor's supposed to tell me how to live life, right? Mm. They read the Bible, yeah. they tell us what the Bible says. But if that starts straying into things other than biblical mandates and biblical commandments, then yeah. we start to see that there's some abuse going on. Yeah, when pastors start telling you how to invest your money, when they start telling you how to treat your kids, mm. uh, telling you whether your kids should get married or not, and or telling you how you should uh, buy or sell homes or something. You're beginning to press into areas that probably aren't good. And that isolation word again. Isolation. If that church yeah. says, we're the only ones you talk to, here is your yeah. your reading list of approved yes. literature. Yes. Don't read these people over here, but read uh-huh. this this person. Um, then, then you start to wonder a little bit. Mm-hmm. Churches who are open and say, yeah, people can come in, people can talk uh, to us, we're happy to... Uh, discuss any allegations of abuse. Those are the churches that are healthy because they want to get to the root of the problem and actually solve the issue if there is one. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. The, can you ask questions or only approved questions? Absolutely. Bill Winner for me. The, or it's uh, When you think of abuse, though, uh, you think about that, and we come back, and let's say that you are being abused and you don't know anybody to go to. Mm-hmm. What would be some places that might be next steps if you're in a spot and you don't know anybody in your church you can go to? Well, I, I would suggest the same ones you suggested. I think going to uh, institutions, Christian institutions, such as Western Seminary, um, is a great example, mm-hmm. calling in to focus on the family. Some of the parachurch organizations that are around, you know, in Salem, uh, Young Life, for example, is very large. Uh-huh. Um, so going to some leaders there, um, especially if maybe you're a teenager and you trust some of those leaders yep. and those those teenagers know of abuse in their church, go to those leaders. Um, you know, usually when you trust someone uh, outside of the group that's potentially causing the abuse, that's a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've we've mentioned ARMS, Abuse mm-hmm. Recovery and Ministry Services. They're just a great place to go, very wise. And you don't have to be a necessarily a domestic violence type situation to call. They've got good referral mm-hmm. sources, and they're just super trustworthy, mm-hmm. know how to do things. Can you just call the police? Absolutely. Yeah, you can call the police and let them know and uh, just ask for for them to maybe do a little bit of an investigation. Um, you can also call uh, DHS. There's mm-hmm. a reporting line uh, online. Or online, you can go and look up their, their number, and especially if you're underage. Uh, but even if you're an adult and you just need help, uh, just Google uh, those those kind of resources yeah. and you're going to find them. There's a picture I think a lot of people have. Well, if I get in touch with the authorities, they're going to do something awful to my family or something. And that occasionally happens, but that's the exception, not the rule. Absolutely. Uh, if you're a student, 
Uh, you can go to your counselor at your school can be a good place to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the church is a really good place to go. If you've got people who have some basic training, uh, if you've got a Mending the Soul group or re- Celebrate Recovery mm-hmm. or ARMS or something at your church, mm-hmm. that can be really helpful. The thing is break the secret. Ask Absolutely. and say, this seems weird to me. I see my life is different than yours. Like, what's going on? And it's amazing how often just that simple question helps out. Or if you've got a friend, ask them, like, what's going on with you anyway? Uh, just talking about it break the secret. Because if it's healthy, it'll become clear. In a lot of places, we need growth. It's not some terrible abuse thing, but we just need somebody to give us some help. And if you're a person that's being abused, that's listening, don't buy into the lie that telling the secret is going to cause more harm than keeping it. Uh, Reach out and talk to someone because most people who are trained, they're going to want to help not only you, but the person who's abusing you. Right. David, we just got a minute or so for a break here. What do you you want to throw in? Yeah. And I I think that... Um, to go along with what Hans was just saying, I think people will find um, within the church, I know sometimes there's a stereotype that um, people might not be friendly or might not care, but I've I found again and again, in my, even in my own life and story, uh, people are far more willing to, to care and to fight for you um, than you might anticipate. And so I think um, people are willing and ready. People who love Jesus are on your team. Um, I think... Um, that can make such a difference in just yeah. um, feeling feeling like you can share. Yeah. Speaking as somebody who's in church leadership, you know, what we want to do as a church would be a place of help, a place of healing, a place of forgiveness, a place of restoration, a place of hope. And I hope that's true of many churches, and the church is a great place to find those kind of things. I, well, we're coming toward the end of our show here. I just want to say again, Georgine Rice is on a missions trip. I think she's in India. Uh, you can pray for her. She's an amazing woman. This is Gary Bashirs. I've been sitting in here in the Georgine Rice Chair of Pastoral Theology, I guess. <laughs> Very fun. Hans has been with us here today, and David Thayton. Uh, we want to just say to you all uh, that this is a time to celebrate God's goodness, and it comes in many different ways. And so what I want to say to you is may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and the love of the Father be yours now and forever. This is Gary Bashirs, Western Seminary, 93.9 KPDQ. God bless you all. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at GRice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.